Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Abby Carcio. And I'm your other host, Sydney Cummings. And from wherever you're listening, welcome to Megged, a women's soccer podcast where we talk about anything and everything related to the women's professional sport. These are our unsolicited football opinions. You didn't ask for them, but we're going to give them. And who knows? Maybe you'll agree. Maybe you'll disagree. But that's the beauty of the game and what's kept us friends for so long. This episode, we'll be discussing Group D in the group stage of the Women's World Cup. Move your feet. This is Megged. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Megged. It feels like forever since we've done this because Abby was away on vacation. Abby, how are you? Hello, Sydney Ann. I'm so thrilled to be back on the pod, back chatting about soccer. Um, I had a great vacation. I was traveling Europe for about 16 days, kind of, you know, took a little bit of a mental break from the game, but I miss it. So I'm really excited to chat. And how are you doing, Sid? Yeah, I'm good. Just, you know, chilling out, playing, uh, catching up with friends, all that good stuff. It's been so weird, like 16 days, you being gone. I feel like so much happened while you were away. And like, we tried our best to like kind of keep in touch. We pre-recorded some episodes. So a lot of our news wasn't super up to date the past two episodes, because as normally happens in the soccer world, you take your eyes off of it for one second and everything blows up. So we're going to catch up on some news, but something really big, uh, I don't know, it might be make or break for one of us. Abby, Becky Sauerbrunn out for the World Cup. Captain, oh, captain, what are your thoughts? I mean, heart is broken, Sydney. When I saw this, I was just like, out of all the people, she's Mm. the last, like, I wouldn't want this to happen to anyone, but just. This was her last World Cup. She's the captain. She's one of our favorite players of all time. Seems like a really good person. And yeah, for her to miss this World Cup, it is probably devastating for her as an individual, devastating for the country and all women soccer fans, but also for me, certainly a deal breaker for the national team. What do you think, Sid? You think Becky being out, it's done. There's no way they win. Sydney, please tell me who is going to play center back and replace her. I do think this is interesting because I think it'll change some things in terms of who we thought would or won't get a call up. So Naomi Gurma is a lock for me. She was always she was always a lock for me. I always thought her and Becky. Okay, take Becky out of the picture. Alana Cook has obviously gotten a lot of minutes. But then you have people like Tiana Davidson, who is now back off the ACL injury, like could very well be called up into this group. And then you have someone like Emily Sonnet, who you and I are not the biggest fan of, but she has played center back for the, I actually not sure if she's played it for the national team. She's more of a fullback for the national team, but she plays it wherever she plays in the NWSL over the, the course of the last few seasons. So I don't know, just like interesting people, Sonnet and Davidson would never be my picks, but one of them is going to become third string because I'm assuming Alana Cook is going to replace Becky. This there's a lot to unpack here. You really think that Alana Cook is is the best center back in America? No, by 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 no means. But I think given what we've seen in terms of Vlatko's previous rosters, 
I think that that actually, you know what? I'm going to completely change my my mindset here. I've actually been seeing a lot of speculation about certain players that are potentially going to get called up, like Savannah DeMello, who plays out of um, Racing Louisville, who she's been on a roster before, but she's never been capped for the national team. And I've seen a lot of stuff where, obviously it's all rumors because Latko hasn't released anything, but I've seen a lot of speculation and a lot of rumors that she's on the, the initial roster. And to me, like, I think she's great. She's a really nice person. I think she's flying through the NWSL, but I just don't understand that concept. Like, why would you bring somebody in on, on this stage who you didn't even bother to play in friendlies? So all of this to say, bringing it back full circle, do you think it's possible that we see somebody who we wouldn't expect? Like, what if he calls up like Sarah Gordon or what if, Oh, here's a concept. What if he drops Julie Ertz back to center back? You know what? That is what I was thinking is like the only person that has like genuine tournament experience in that position is Julie Ertz. And so, but then that begs the question, who plays six? But to to go back to Lana Cook, like, I don't know. Are you going to put two center backs in who have no tournament experience? And for me, out of those three, Cook, Sonnet, and Davidson, if Davidson's healthy and like in form – I would put her back there just because she has the most experience. And I think style-wise, she matches more so Becky's profile. And I think you need two center backs that complement each other. But yeah, it's really a toss-up. I'm so curious what they do. This just reaffirms what we were saying in previous episodes about the mismanagement of players within the cycle in the last four years. And I think you're seeing the, the outcome of that right now. Yeah, I think it's really interesting how because a lot of a lot of things will go into place. We've talked about like potential weaknesses at the fullback position. Now you're missing your your stud center back. Like a hundred percent, I feel like maybe dropping Ertz is a potential answer because I feel like the midfield obviously has done. I'm not saying they've done a great job, but they've gotten by without her previously. So you have people in the mix that are used to playing together with her not gone. So I'm sorry, with her gone. So if you put her in at center back, like you might have midfielders that can kind of sort it out, especially if people like Rose and Haran can stay healthy. Like you have good leadership and experience then in the midfield already. Like, is it so hard to plug in a six as opposed to, you know, trying to plug in a a center back, but I definitely think we will see a lot of experimenting in the world cup for the U S team, which personally, I don't love the idea of by the time you get to the world cup, you should be solidified. And I feel like we might not see that with this squad. So Vlatko, good luck. But I also feel like obviously you can't, you can't predict injuries and such, but I do feel like he has kind of put himself in this boat and now he has to work his way out of it. So it will definitely be interesting to see um, the red, white, and blue in this tournament. Absolutely said, I agree with what you're saying. Good luck to Vlaco and we'll see how it all shakes down in about a month. But one more thing before we get into the meat of this episode, we had Becky go out of the tournament, but one player that's coming into a roster is Bon Matti who plays for Barcelona. I think she's one of the top players in the world right now. And she was part of the 15 that initially were not included in the Spanish squad in the last year. Um, But she was put back into the squad by the head coach. And I think she is crucial for Spain. And I really think her inclusion 
this roster gives Spain a huge leg up going into this World Cup. I think this is massive. Like, this is huge. I feel like you can also tell based off of the vibe. Like, once this news came out, people were like, wow, like, this is going to catapult Spain so much. Other people are now thinking teams that have to play Spain are now thinking, wow, like we have to adjust like some of the things that we're thinking. When you have a player that is that influential, no matter what, when they come into camp, it's going to change the dynamic. And we talked a lot about like what the vibe when we covered Spain, we talked a lot about what the vibe was going to be like if players come in, if they feel like they weren't defended during this whole this whole altercation. I'm not sure if that's going to make much of a difference. I feel like Bonmati has a chip on your shoulder naturally, but when you're that good and you're that pissed off, that's a dangerous recipe. And like, I think it's going to work so well for Spain. Yeah. I'm so thrilled to see a midfield maestro on the world stage. I think it's going to be great for the country of Spain, but also for the women's game in general. It'll definitely be interesting to see how these teams play out in their respective groups. We have already covered Spain. We've yet to cover the U.S., so we will definitely dive more into the U.S., the roster, and all that when we touch on their group in the next episode. But for now, we're focusing on Group D, and that's England, Haiti, Denmark, and China. Abs, let's break it down. Okay, so we are kicking off Group D with England. And so new FIFA rankings came out while we were away. So England is still ranked fourth. Obviously, we've spoken highly about England. If you know me and Abby at all, we are very big fans of England. But there is one big thing, we've talked about it before, that you just cannot ignore when it comes to this team, and that's injuries, injuries, injuries. They have taken a serious knock in all sides of the pitch. Tell me your thoughts here on that, Abs. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it before. Beth Mead and Leah Williamson not being in this squad is going to hurt them. The question is, how much is it going to hurt them? Can Serena Wegman pull in other players and put a team on the pitch that complements each other enough to get the job done? If anyone can do it, I would give it to Wegman, but I don't know. It's... You know, before before these injuries, I definitely would put England as my number one pick, but now I, I'm not so sure. Yeah, and I think there are still positives to look at, right? And Wegman is definitely one of them. She's a massive positive. She's one of the best managers in the game. So that's a positive. And like you said, I think it creates an opportunity for some people to rise. And that's one of the best things about this tournament in general. You always see someone make a name for themselves. And it's possible that it can be in this squad. And it's possible that it could be somebody who already has a name for themselves, but just like stepping up in a way that we weren't necessarily expecting. And then I think two other things that are really positive for England that kind of counters the injuries is like, at the end of the day, they're still a great side. And a quality side, even when you have some of your best players drop, is still really impressive. And so I think that experience will help them. And that's another thing they have going for them. Coming off their Euros win is obviously huge. Having that undefeated streak, like that's huge. But let me get your thoughts on this, Abby. What are your thoughts on that unbeaten streak? Because obviously it snapped to Australia. That could be a negative considering they're about to go to Australia to play. Do you think having this unbeaten streak hurts them or does it help them mentally? I think 
getting the streak snapped was the best thing that could have happened to them. Mm -hmm. I think it exposed what happens when you take your foot off the gas pedal and expose what happens when you don't bring your best to the game. I think Australia went into that match as if it was a tournament game. And I don't think England had the same mindset. So it's going to be interesting to see how England comes out in the world cup. But yeah, I think if they went into the tournament without being beaten, I think what happened in that game might happen in their first opener. So yeah, I think it was a good thing overall, but what are your thoughts? I'm on the same page with you, honestly. Like, you will eventually lose. And so would you rather lose in a friendly or would you rather lose in the opening game or the semifinals or whatever in the World Cup? Because obviously a friendly is a better scenario because you can learn from that. Obviously, there's stake in the game. You just had your unbeaten streak snapped. But I do think that there's a little less pressure of it happening in a friendly versus it happening in the World Cup stage, obviously. So I think it helps them mentally. I think it also helps because you know that's unbeaten and then you know leah williamson is down now so how does someone rise like your captain's out how do you rise and like kind of mend that mentally and so i think it's good because it also gave people an opportunity to step up when you weren't yet at that stage you know what i mean yeah absolutely and i i want to talk about players real quick just because we have talked about england a lot but I think Greenwood is going to step up and fill in that Leah Williamson role as center back. It's a great opportunity for her to take that leadership position. And I'm excited to see what she does on the on the main stage. But I also want to talk about the roster drop because there were some surprises on this roster. First of all, Bethany England hasn't really been in camp for the last three years consistently. And she was included in the squad. Serena Megman cited her performance in the WSL. Um, which, yeah, if you look at her record at Tottenham, she did amazing. Um, but I'm excited to see if she gets time in this tournament, what her role is going to be on this team. She was a surprise for me. And then the other surprise really comes from the Leah Williamson injury. And that's the fact that Begman didn't bring in Mayla Tissier, who plays for Manchester United. She's the starting center back there. She is young, doesn't really have that much experience on the international stage, but She's in great form, and that was kind of a surprise for me. She is coming in as an alternate, but yeah, I was curious by that decision. Okay, so those are some people that you were, you know, thoughts about, curious about. Who are some people on the squad that you're like, mainstay, they need to step up, there are such staples in this team. Who are you excited for on that end of the spectrum? I'll go right down the spine of the pitch. Mary Earps, you know, I'm expecting her to have a big tournament. I think Kira Walsh is the key to this team. If she comes into this tournament and plays as she did in 2019 and plays how she has been for Barcelona, I think they're really, really locked down in the midfield. And then Russo is the other big question mark. I'm hoping in the next weeks we'll see her sign for Arsenal. But in terms of international play, I think this is her tournament. I think she's going to really come out and be that star nine that we know she can be. Yeah, and I think it's really positive. Like, you're dropping all these names and we're talking about these people, like, quality, 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 quality. Like, I actually think England will be okay. It's just a matter of can they string it all together and kind of, like, forget about the fact that key people are missing and just power through the World Cup. Because I I think they have a fabulous roster to still get it done. And for me, that's it for them. Like, maintain the legacy that they're starting to create. Just maintain a shutout mentality that you had when Williamson was around. Keep it around, even though she's gone. 
I feel like they are very solid defensively. They work really hard for each other. And she is normally the heart in the engine of that. And I feel like it shouldn't be hard for three other people. And then the fourth that plugs in for her to be able to replicate that. Obviously you want to do it for yourself. You want to do it for your country. You want to do it for everybody. But I feel like if they adopt her mentality, even with her gone, they'll be okay. Yeah, I agree with you, Sid. I'm I'm hopeful in the back five, um, including Earps within that. For me, it's on the other end of the pitch. Can they get the ball in the back of the net is the question mark for me. I actually think that's going to be a big question mark for this group in general, um, which brings us to Haiti. So Haiti's the next team in this group. Their ranking didn't change either. They're still at 53. And that's a bit high for the World Cup, obviously, but they fought their butt off to get here. They're a top team in the Caribbean and they don't really have tournament experience beyond the Confederation, which for me makes me nervous. But you and I have talked extensively, Abby, about, you know, perspective as a newcomer, and it just depends what your goals are. So, you know, the marker here for them does not need to be to win the World Cup the same way that we're holding England to that kind of standard. The mark here for them could be what you just discussed, getting the ball in the back of the net in each game or something of the sort. So they're really going to have to rely on some key players for that. Yeah, Haiti's a really exciting team, and they have some big name players. One of them I'm familiar with, I've played against her. She scored on my team and was partially the reason why we descended to the second league. Melchie Dumernay, she just signed for Lyon. And, man, she's an incredible player. She bulldozes through people, is incredibly technical, and scores goals like nobody else I've seen. I think she's going to take the league by storm next year in France. But I'm really excited to see what she does this summer on the international stage without these huge players by her side. Yeah. And I feel like that's the big thing for Haiti. Like, can you create opportunities outside of your star players? And for me, a lot of that comes from staying sound defensively. I feel like watching them during qualifiers, their games can get really stretched and that might work in the Caribbean, but it won't work against teams like England. So I feel like, and we've talked about this with some other teams, but I feel like it's really important for the lines to stay really tight. Also because this tournament is so fatiguing. And I feel like that was something you really saw at the end of their qualifying games when goals are literally being scored in stoppage time minutes. It's because the game just got so stretched and so big. And if you do that in the last 10 minutes against England, they'll punish you. And so I think it's really important, like top to bottom, they stay really sound defensively and find ways to create movement on and off the ball if their key players get um, marked out of games, which we've also talked about with other teams. Yeah, you know, I watched the game between Haiti and Nigeria a few months ago. And from what you were saying, Sid, I'm just not confident that they can pull through on the defensive side of things. I really, I really think that with these smaller teams, yeah, you can get through games. But like you said, against a forward line of England and even Denmark, I just don't have a lot of confidence. I think that's their weakest bit. And hopefully in the last few months and, and the next month, they're doing a lot of work defensively. But I think the their main tactic really needs to score more goals than their opponent scores. Yeah, and that's definitely a tactic. But as a defender, I feel like my mentality with that is it can only get you so far. Like if, if you're bleeding goal after goal after goal, how much does that crush your morale? 
Um, and I feel like that's going to be a really big thing for them. They have so much passion, like watching them qualify in that stoppage time goal against Chile to qualify. Like it was great. And they were so emotional about it. And I feel like that's obviously like you've just literally done the unthinkable. And I feel like that's so special. And to carry that will help them along the way. But my fear is that if you have that passion and then things don't go your way in the World Cup, like, does that knock you down so, so far, like, morally? And so I feel like if they can sort some things out defensively, and it doesn't need to be like, you know, a massive defensive restructuring. A lot of it just has to do with keeping lines compact, very fundamental things. I feel like if they can stay disciplined defensively, they'll be able to hit some of their goals for the World Cup. But for me, I don't see them getting out of this stage, but I think it's just because, you know, this is your first time here. Like you'll get that experience. It'll be so good for them to play against teams in this group. Um, And obviously you can always be surprised. And I do think we'll see people step, step up from this team and that will be so exciting and fun to watch. But I'm just not sure based off of their inexperience at this stage, if they'll, they'll have much life. Yeah, they're huge underdogs coming into this tournament. But if you're an underdog, this is the group you want to be in. For me, this is the group that you can squeak out. I think England's a lot, but I think the other three teams are, are quite even, and I think anything could happen. So I'm excited to see that spirit that you're talking about, Sid, carry them through this group stage. So let's touch on those other two teams. So Denmark and China. Let's start with Denmark. Denmark is ranked 13, and they've had some success so far in 2023. And they've played against teams that are ranked higher than them. And and they've come away with wins. So they've beaten Norway, they've beaten Japan, they've beaten Sweden this year. Tell me your thoughts on Denmark so far, Abby, as we're looking to see them in in a month. Yeah, that past record, especially because it's been within the last year, is not something to be taken lightly. I think it shows that they have the quality to perform against these big teams. Denmark is an interesting one. They're a smaller country, but they do have some big-time players. Vanilla Harder is the first one that comes to mind for me. She just signed with Bayern Munich, long stay at Chelsea, and she's been a performer on the international stage. She has been plagued with injury in the past, but I think she's going to be at a point in her recovery that she can really do some damage on the pitch. And then the other one is Signa Brun, who didn't get the most time at Lyon, but, I mean, she's playing for... Um, one of the best teams in Europe. So I, I'm excited to see if she can put the ball in the back of the net for Denmark as well. Yeah, and I feel like scoring, like we've said, is going to be really big for this group, especially because they didn't qualify for the last three World Cups. So all players are going to be a part of this new cycle. And like you said, they have experience on the club side. So they know what the level is. They know what it takes. But I mean, you and I have no idea. I can only imagine it's different playing at the world cup than on the club side. So I think these people that you're mentioning, it's great that, you know, you put the ball in the back of the net for your club, or you've been a mainstay for your club, but can you do it now on the world stage? And I feel like that's just the flip and Denmark could very well do it, but it'll just be interesting to see if that actually comes to fruition. Yeah. I mean, they don't have world cup experience, but they did play in the euros last summer. And I think that gives you the, atmosphere or it replicates the atmosphere of a world tournament obviously it's not the same but I think that's an advantage for them going into this group stage okay so you mentioned the euros which I think is important in looking at their record in the euros and in the games that they lost every game they lost they were shut out and 
just kind of looking back at their record more more often than not, not always, but most of the time when Denmark loses, it's because they're shut out. And so this is why I think scoring is really important for them, because obviously what the stats have shown is if they get shut out, they don't win. And so I think it's really important that they don't let that happen. If you can just pinch a goal, get the ball in the back of the net, one, it gives you a bit of confidence and it lets you play a little bit more freely, especially when you get that first one out of the way. But I just think because they've been this kind of team and it could be a mentality thing. I have absolutely no idea. I'm not a part of that squad, but I think if they can score first on all of their opponents, they'll have a much higher success rate than if they have to climb back and fight back if they get scored on because they don't have the best track record doing that. Yeah. And I think in the past, Denmark goes into every single game being like the underdogs, which I think is a mistake. And I think that's why you see them getting shut out a lot is because they tend to sit back. Not always, but they do tend to sit back or they, they tend to take the, the reserved role in a match between two teams. And I think that if they go into this tournament and really just, pull out all the stops and, and, you know, balls to the walls in the first 30 minutes, I think they could be in the driver's seat through a game. And I think that would allow them to avoid this, this shutout plague that has, you know, troubled them in the past. Yeah. I love that word that you just use the driver's seat. I feel like that's, that's my main takeaway for them. I feel like they need to put themselves in the driver's seat for all the games in this stage, even against England, like put yourself in the driver's seat, bet on yourself. You beat teams that are ranked higher than you already this year. Like there's no reason why you can't do it again. So I think that's my key takeaway for them. Put yourself in the driver's seat, score first, take care of Haiti, beat China and see what happens against England. Yeah, I think Denmark being in this group is going to make it really exciting. And so then the fourth piece of this puzzle in this group is China. China's ranked 14th. So China and Denmark are neck and neck in rankings, but obviously we know rankings can mean absolutely anything. Obviously, China has had a bit of a drop off. Abby and I were actually just talking about this earlier in the 90s, early 2000s, like China and the US had such a big rivalry and China was a top team consistently. Since then, they've had a big drop off. And so I'm a bit surprised by their ranking. But like we said, doesn't always mean anything. And they haven't really played that well in the past years, especially in the World Cup in 2019. They were even all through the group stage. They had a win, a loss, a draw, and they went through. And then they lost in that next stage. Abby, tell me your thoughts here on China. Yeah, Sid, this one's a tough one for me. Like you said, they were the big names in the 90s and the early 2000s. But they dropped off. And I'm excited for them to come back into that domination stage. I am hesitant to say that this is the tournament they're going to do that. Yes, they did play in 2019. They made it out of their group stage. So they have that confidence going in. But I think the makeup of the team is an interesting one. They have a lot of older players. But those players don't exactly have a ton of caps and experience. So yes, while they did perform four years ago... Does that translate to this tournament? I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I think they have a good mix of, you know, some younger players. And by younger, I mean like 24, like my age. And then some older players, like, you know, hitting 30. And I think sometimes when you have like a good core group of a very mature age, right? Like you're not, you don't have teenagers and you don't have players that are, you know, on their last cycle per se. I think that that can be a really good core group to move forward with. Especially because I, I'm not, I actually don't know that much about 
personnel for this team, I'll be honest. But from what I was able to find, a lot of them play in China. And so if you're able to like get together and have that team chemistry, that's a positive and that's a benefit that sometimes a lot of other teams don't have because you have players that are playing, you know, in England and they're playing in Sweden and they're playing in the US and, you know, they're kind of scattered all over the place. So it's hard to get together and have that chemistry. So if they have that, and I'm not saying they do or don't, I'm just ignorant to the fact if they have that, I feel like that can really carry them because you can't train chemistry like that. Like either you have it or you don't. And if they have it, that's always an upper hand for any team. Yeah, chemistry is certainly a huge advantage in tournament play. One thing about China that could either be a positive or a negative is their style of play. I mean, notably through the last decade or so, they've been known for their possession and their technical ability. On the flip side, they haven't really been known for their physicality. And to see the demographic of this group, you kind of have three teams that are super physical, Denmark, Haiti, and England. They like to run. They like to put bodies through other bodies. And so, yeah, as a coaching mindset, this could go one of two ways. Either China possesses the ball and basically outpossesses the teams that they're playing against, uh, or this could go the other way and they just kind of get bodied off of the ball and and the other teams disrupt their possession and kind of throw their gameplay out the window. So I'm curious to see which way the chips fall on that one. I just want to ask this question, Abby, because obviously the coaching perspective, if you are China in this group and you know that, you know that you are not the physical team and there are other teams in the World Cup that will face this same issue. What do you do as a coach? Yeah, I think you have to take a hard look in the mirror and say, can my team be physical? And the answer for China is probably no. You're not going to outbody England. So you have to accept that fact first and then find a way to legitimately outpossess these other teams. That's the only way you're going to win these games is if you outpossess them successfully. And the way to do that for me is to move the ball faster than the other team can move their players defensively. And so that's really China's task for me on the coaching side of things is can they increase their speed of play? It needs to be double on what they think it needs to be. So as a coach, that's kind of what I would do. Yeah, and I think that'll be a helpful mindset because they're similar to Denmark in the sense that like when they don't score, they lose. And I think if they can maintain possession of the ball, move it up the pitch, and then you know all it takes is one one slipped ball in and, and you're in on goal and then you're one nil up. I, I think that that would be really beneficial for them. And so for me, their, their takeaways to get out of this group are the same as Denmark just flipped. Like they need to take care of Haiti. They need to beat Denmark and they need to score goals. And then who knows, you never know what could happen against England, especially if you're in the driver's seat. So I think the match between China and Denmark will be really interesting because I feel like they're in very similar boats in the sense that England's looked at as the lock in this group. Haiti's looked at as the underdog in this group. And I feel like that second spot is really up for grabs. So if they can put themselves in the driver's seat and take care of business, I really think it's in their hands in this group between China and Denmark. And obviously, like we said, you never know what can happen. So it could be Haiti as well. I feel like they're in control of their destiny in this group because there's no set locks here for me. Yeah, like I said before, Sid, I think if you're an underdog, this is the best group you can possibly be in. Anything can happen amongst Haiti, Denmark, and China, and and I'm super excited. But to go back to the the coaching point, to shore up the defensive end, because I know you love defense, there are going to be moments when China doesn't have the ball. 
And the question is, is how do you deal with that? And I think defending as a team from top to bottom is crucial. Surrounding the ball as quickly as possible is basically the only way they're going to defend successfully. Uh, and before we wrap up, Sid, I'm curious what you think about that style of defense, because on the one hand, you have teams that just kind of, you know, slide tackle, put bodies on the ball, can defend superbly one-on-one, -on -one, but what about these teams that can't do that? And they kind of use a tactic of team defending. Yeah, I think team defending is great. I'm actually, I don't know if I've ever had a slide tackle in my career because I'm a very big advocate for if you're in the right spot, you most likely don't have to go to ground. And so I think if you can shift really well as a team, move your feet defensively so that you just keep players in front of you. I feel like I sound like a broken record. I've been telling you this for years. <laughs> if you can move your feet to keep players in front of you, I feel like that team chemistry, it's really hard to break down a team that moves really well, especially if they can solidify their lines. So I don't think it's a it's a bad tactic at all. I actually think it's really hard to play through a defensively sound team. And it's better if everyone can defend as opposed to, you know, you just have a few good defenders. So team defending is definitely going to be key for them. And I think if they can, like you said, take a look in the mirror, accept the fact that, you know, we're not going to be the physical group here, but we're going to make it really hard for teams to play through our lines. They'll be fine. So I've kind of given my thoughts then abs on the top two teams. Uh, I don't really have a number two. It's up for grabs for me. Do you have a different answer? Ooh, this one's so hard. Like I said, I think the number two spot is is up for grabs. But if I had to put two teams forward, England's a lock on the number one spot. And I think because of their record in the last year, I think Denmark's going to go through. Okay, it'll be really interesting to see this group, especially because, like you've said, Abs, if you're an underdog, this is the group to be in. So you literally never know what can happen in this group, and you never know what can happen in the World Cup. So definitely interested to see what happens here. But for now, we're going to take it to Hot Takes, Jersey Edition, and we're going to talk about these teams fashion-wise. Okay, so looking at these four kits, abs, my gut, it's kind of, I don't know, my gut is telling me England's away kit. Me too, because I think the color is dope, but I think Denmark's red kits are nuanced and detailed in a way that I would have them in the number one spot. Mm, okay, that's fair. Which it's interesting too, because we've talked about, so England is Nike and Denmark is Hummel. So we've talked about this a little bit or like alluded to it kind of, the difference between the brands. I think that's really profound that we're, well, you, you're picking a jersey that's not Nike or Adidas. I think that's great. Yeah, I mean, good on Hummel for her. Not only being a sponsor on the World Cup stage, but also coming out with a fire kit. Clearly, the person at the design team was a genius. And I have to say, the thing about this entire group, I'm not 100% sure about China's. I feel like I see it in the home kit, but I'm not really sure. There's texture on all these kits. Hades got it on both of theirs. Um, England's got it on both of theirs. Well, maybe not their home kit. I can't really tell. But definitely in their away kit. And so... I think it's really great because we've talked about this. It's just kind of eye grabbing. So I think this is a really good 
group fashion wise if nothing else they'll be entertaining to watch because we don't know who will come out of the group and they'll be entertaining to watch because they'll look good like you say sid look good play good look good feel good play good do you have a least favorite kit um you know england's white kits are they're historical so like i like them they're plain but if i had to choose a worst kit it's China's yellow kits, and it's purely because of the color. What, you don't like yellow? I'm just not a huge fan. Like, I don't know. I get it's their flag colors, but still, like, you can change it up. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, honestly, I don't have a least favorite. I like them all. So, because I like yellow, <laughs> unlike some people. So, I don't have a least favorite, but I'm going to go with England as England's away as my number one pick. Cool. I'll go with Denmark Red Kids. Okay, so then those are our picks for Group D. This will be a really interesting group to watch. And so obviously enjoyed going through their kits and everyone can tell us their thoughts as well when we put this up on Instagram. But as of right now, like always, Abby and I don't agree. It wouldn't be a megged podcast episode without us disagreeing. But sadly, there are no games to watch after the Wait for Champions League, went to Barcelona. Um, but if you have some extra time on your hands and you want to think about soccer, you can absolutely give our past episodes a listen to prepare you for the World Cup, which is coming up in less than a month. One month away. That is so exciting. Definitely looking forward to finishing these breakdowns and watching the opening games. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to email us at megpodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram at megpodcast. We hope everyone enjoyed this episode. Please rate us and leave reviews on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Join us next week as we tackle new topics, fight over our different perspectives, and as always, our hot takes. See you next week on Megged.